we interview Louise Kingston, who's a National Party member for the South West Region in Western Australia. We speak with her about gun laws, Paul Papalia, culture, the Greens, and the work the Nationals are doing to guide the position on firearms going forward in that state. What is the fella's name on third base? What is the fella's name on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. Third base. Welcome to the Go News Australia podcast. It's the podcast for Australian shooters who just want the political interference taken out of shooting. Louise Kingston, uh, welcome. How are you? Yeah, very well. Yeah, beautiful day in Albany. Sunny Albany today. Albany. Down south, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, very south. Yeah. Okay. So you're the uh, you're in the Legislative Council, Western Australia Legislative Council, and uh, obviously Albany's your electorate. Yes, oh, it's a southwest region, so it goes all the way from Albany to Mandurah, so a very big electorate. Okay. Uh, and your, the representation you've got in WA Parliament at the moment, how does it stand? We've got three in the upper house, uh, two in the ag region, one in the southwest, and then we've got three lower house members as well. Which I think outranks the Liberals at the moment, doesn't it? it does, yes, yeah. We hold the um, opposition status at the moment. So, yeah, that's been, that's been pretty awesome for, you know, a tiny little party like ours, <laughs> punching way above our weight. So, yeah. A bit of, a bit of, a bit of ribbing on the side, no doubt. Well, absolutely, yeah. Well, we're the party of common sense. I think that's, you know, sort of why we appeal to, um, you know, the, the voters at the moment. The um, And the numbers, obviously, Western Australia is very strong Labor at, at the moment because they actually increased their majority at the last state election, which um, sort of shut us down the spine of, I think, a lot of shooters. But why why did they manage to do that? What, what, was, what was the oh. thing that turned in their favour? It's a star factor. Um, you know, Mark McGowan was seen as a saviour during COVID um, and there wasn't a lot of other um, talent out there, I suppose, even in Labor. You know, we see now we've got we've got Roger Cook and he's uh, he wouldn't be a patch on, on Mark McGowan. And I think there's a lot of voters out there with buyer remorse. So, you know, he sold a good story. Um, people, drank, people drank the Kool-Aid, as I say. Um, you know, they were unprecedented times where we saw... Yeah. You know, that, that type of leadership um, was probably warranted in some respects. Um, but we also saw um, what I believe was the start of the erosion of people's personal rights, property rights, that sort of stuff. And it's gone too far, way too far. Yeah, the, uh, it was certainly watched, I think, very closely by the Eastern States, uh, how Western Australia was responding uh, and reacting to, to COVID uh, mm-hmm. and... Uh, I mean, I, I misjudged it. I thought that maybe those sort of strong tactics, um, certainly in Victoria, we had a lot of lockdowns uh, and Western Australia, the way, you know, the way that shut basically shut itself off yeah. from the rest of Australia. Yeah. I, I assumed it was going to actually backfire, but it actually did the opposite. It um, solidified their support. Well, what's the best way to control people? Is to make them frightened. Yeah. And, you know, very, very good way. And this is exactly the same as what we're going to be talking about today. You make people frightened and then you can get them to do um, certain things and that's not a way to lead. Yeah. Okay, so the rewrite of the Western Australia Firearms Act um, obviously is a, is a big issue for shooters. Uh, it's not just the fact it's a rewrite, it's being rewrite with a whole lot of uh, nasty surprises. Uh, actually, they're not, they're not surprises anymore. They're the nasty things that are in it um, that seem to go right against the grain of uh, of what we've seen in terms of issues with with uh, 
shooters uh, and also against the, the grain of the national fire, even the national firearms agreement. Uh, what have you seen, and what are people telling you about about the rewrite? Where do we start? You know, so many elements to it that are that are concerning, um, and it's like I've, I've you know brought it back to before. It's about those erosions of um, legal. Um, firearms owners' rights. Um, you know, the problem is in the in the illegal situation, which you know you'd think that the police minister would be focused on that, um, because we know traditionally, you know, ninety thousand firearms owners in Western Australia that weren't even didn't even get a letter. You know, I raised that in Parliament, and I said, well, how did you? contact these people to frame, you know, what we, we think we're going to see in that new legislation because, of course, we haven't even seen that. We've only seen the consultation paper. And uh, they admitted that uh, they didn't even they didn't even write to the 90,000 firearms owners. So, you know, our job has been out there trying to make people aware of what's likely to be coming, you know, and uh, we got 12,000 signatures on our petition asking for that consultation to be extended because, of course, it's been um, released over the holiday break. So a lot of people are going to be off doing other stuff and not focused on this sort of stuff. Um, and that was met with a just total and utter, um, you know, ignoring. Um, so that's the situation we're facing. What prompted it? Why is the party going down this path? Is it a just a personal thing? Is he responding to an incident or something or, is, or advice that he's getting? We don't know. We absolutely don't, do not know. It doesn't make any sense. We've, we, it seems to be a pattern. So we've had um, the closure of the timber industry in 2021 with just a stroke of a pen. Um, none of the information provided supported that decision. In fact, the International Panel on Climate Change actually says that timber coming from well-managed, sustainable resource is going to be the answer to climate change. So it wasn't for that. And then we had the Aboriginal Cultural Heritage um, debacle um, you know, 30,000 signatures we collected um, and, and they did take notice of that and, you know, just repealed it. And now we've got this. So it is a pattern um, and, you know, conservative people in there perhaps that, um, you know, um, bureaucrats maybe um, leading the, the charge rather than um, the minister, you know, sort of getting out there and understanding it. I, I honestly don't know. Um, yeah, he's made no, no effort to do that at all. No, no, it's a top-down dictatorial approach and that's what we're yeah. seeing from this government. You know, we're a bottom-up, um, you know, talk to people, understand what the issues are, frame our policies around that and that's not what we're seeing. So. Because I was wondering whether there might have been, some of this might have been motivated by um, some shootings that might have happened. I think there was a, an alleged bikey that was shot at a raceway a couple of years ago. Uh, from... They're not licensed firearms. They're illegal <laughs> firearms. And, and that's the point, you know. Why are we not? Why are we focusing on the legal um, owners, and why not on the on the you know Ill illegal operations out there that just continue to grow and grow and grow? You know, we've seen increased um, you know crime and and um, you know sort of um, invasion rates and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's a it's a good question. I I, I honestly can't answer that um, because because the data would, would tell the story. Yeah, they actually yeah. even if they didn't believe this license. Firearm owners versus non non licensed. I mean, surely the numbers would would, would be quite clear. Yeah. Uh, Ninety thousand uh, people who are enjoying a, a good weekend versus um, you know two or three that might be doing the wrong thing. Two or three who don't belong to that cohort yeah. doing the wrong thing. Because yeah. um, the other thing is, Papalia uh, prides himself on being ex-military, ex and I just yeah. uh, sort of wonder whether he's got a bit of a macho image thing that he wants to sprout there. 
because mm-hmm. he parades himself in front of the cameras, if you noticed, uh, with the jaw blasters. In fact, he was at a press conference with the former uh, c- uh, police commissioner uh, when they wanted to move on with jaw blasters, and he was standing there doing a he-man sort of pose, which I just find a bit strange for a minister to behave that way. Mm, absolutely and once again it is that disconnection if you look at the you know the whole time that Labor's been in there they've become increasingly disconnected um, from the people out there um, the decent hard-working people that you know traditionally would have been their voter base and that's what's it's very strange you know whether they're whether they're you know sort of um, um, pandering to the green ideology on the left um, you know trying to trying to capture votes that um, that you know they're threatened by I don't really know the answer yeah. to that question, but you know that's a that's a possibility. So I will come back to the Greens in a minute. Um, mm. Thank you for raising that. I know we had a bit of a chat about it before, which was quite instructive. Uh, uh, Should coming to your your own office and talking with you about these issues? What do they say? Oh, look, the amount of feedback that the Nationals got in terms of you know the petition that we um, that we put out there. Um, we've also we've got a, a website now, um, web page on our yeah. website, so that people can go to that on the National WA, um, and if they Google National WA Firearms, um, they can have a look at that. They can provide us with their feedback. Um, so that's what we're about. You know, we're about going out there and actually listening to people, and then understanding what the issues are and framing our policies around that. Um, this is this is not um, what they're doing. You know, the, the retrospective removal of the of the written consent. Um, the mandatory health checks, um, you know, the, the how we can manage that. Everybody keeps saying we haven't got enough mental health workers now. Why introduce something to law-abiding people that are already doing the right thing? Um, you know, the, the caps on the firearms, that's not even in the recommendations for the national, you know, mm. um, laws. Um, and the, um, the burden on landholders, you know, um, the changes to that, it's it just... Yeah, none of it. it. It's just unworkable. It's unworkable. You know, poor local police officers, um, they're already stretched um, to the point of breaking at the moment. Why bring in stuff that is just going to create a, a more difficult, um, you know, sort of um, uh, compliance and regulation to navigate? And that's one of one of my very, you know, um, strong um, points is that every time we do something, we should be making it easier. There's that much pressure on everybody now to engage with all of this stuff. Why make it more complicated? Why make it more costly? Um, you know, why put um, more restrictions and, and requirements on our hardworking, you know, police force? Which, interestingly, you know, they the stuff that they have said doesn't even align with what hmm. you know what the party, the Labor Party, are putting forward. So. Yeah, it's a good question. You mentioned cost. I actually did a story a while ago about the cost of transferring a firearm. Yeah. In WA, it was $260 or $70 uh, to licence it. Yeah. And, uh, and the same thing in Victoria um, is about $9.20. Yeah. yeah in, fact, we, in fact, we have a wide the basis for that cost, and uh, it, it's, um, it, it's not a transparent process in WA. It's actually yeah. just determined by... By Treasury, they just mm-hmm. make the number up and take. So that there's no transparency. So you can't actually interrogate what actually is the cost of regulate of the actual regulatory effort involved, yes. uh, and um, and challenge that. You just can cannot do that. Yeah. yeah. Hey shooters, we just want to thank you for your support for Gun News Australia. If you're enjoying the show and want to help us continue with great podcasts. Why not consider a donation or become a subscriber? You can do both at politicsreloaded.com. 
I just want to touch also, I've got a bit of a, um, you talk about culture and I think some of the, uh, you know, we talked about crime and, and one of the things which I'll be going on this year about actually is the distinction between what I call guns and crime and guns and sport. It sounds pretty simple, but I'm just trying to break it down into something that's quite simple, um, that when politicians look at firearms, they usually look at, they only really look at it from a criminal perspective and, oh, yes, by the way, there are licensed shooters out there, um, but, you know, it's sort of a byline. It's, it's sort of the last thing that they, they, they acknowledge they have to, whereas obviously we prefer to say, actually, if you turn it around, um, you're going to come up with a different perspective and you're going to say that guns are used in sport, in farming and, and things like that. Oh, and yes, there's crime. So spinning it around, because I remember uh, um, it, came, it was quite clear in 96 um, that when, uh, in the heat of the gun debate, when Michael Diamond, Russell Mark won gold at Atlanta Olympics and it's, um, it, we spent six months of that year having this big public debate and argument and the buybacks and, and, all, and all the angst and the, and, and the hurt that was done, and the rallies and things like that. And those two guys win medals and they, they front page, back page coverage, um, only for a little while, but it really, I think, helped just recalibrate some people's idea of what firearms are used for. Yeah, and I think, I think that's, you're right. Um, we don't do a good job. Um, you know, most of us that are involved in a lot of these type of activities, um, you know, the timber, of, um, you know, farming, firearm yeah. sort of stuff, we're very busy um, and we don't tell our story well, um, whereas the, the negative people, the people against it, tell a really good story and uh, it, 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 often, uh, it often gets, um, or our story gets misconstrued because we actually don't have, you know, really good, clear messaging. I, I think they're spot on. I mean, we've got 900,000 licensed shooters in Australia. Uh, and why, so why are we having this problem? Yeah. I think I, th I think it's that simple. We spent too many years either ignoring the problem or just not getting the right people on board yeah. to actually manage it. Yeah. Uh, and and it's because... the same. We can use the analogy with the live sheep export, closure of the live sheep export trade as well. Um, you know, unjustified. Um, you know, the rules around it are, are second to none. We export all of our, um, you know, sort of animal rights and, and animal welfare to the rest of the world. Uh, and then when we when we exit it, um, we actually lower the standards in the rest of the world. And, and that's not right. You know, we should be there all the time, you know, making it better. And, and you know, it's, it's the same with this, exactly the same. You know, I've got some of the safest um, gun laws in Australia and, and the least amount of gun crime. And yet, you know, they're proposing to do this. Why? You know, why are they punishing the, the law abiding uh, citizens when they could be focusing that time, money, effort on the crime rates and, you know, all of the other issues that we're facing. Yeah, it's interesting. They um, seems to be an argument of convenience when ministers talk about the National Firearms Agreement. And as I was saying uh, to you earlier, that um, I, the way I see it is in it, the Western Australia, it, it's, it doesn't comply with the NFA in many ways. Now, while the antis are using the same argument, I'm saying, actually, uh, Look at the look at the facts. Sure, we have licensing and registration, which sort of roughly accords with with what the NFA says. But when it comes to mutual recognition of licenses, when it comes to permits to acquire, they're completely and you've got um, serviceability certificates now also in, in Western Australia, where if you buy a firearm, you sure you get it registered, but you could have a serviceability certificate from a dealer, not required anywhere else. Um, so I sort of jokingly refer to it as the National Forums disagree Disagreement. Cause yeah, that's a very good way to put it, isn't it? Um, yeah. 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 Um, now, the maps, 
the famous map spot that Hooper Party has splashed over the media last, uh, well, back in 2022. Mm -hmm. um, you've seen the article we wrote, yep. uh, which contains a lot of statements, very blunt statements from Western Australia police, which seem to put them direct odds with what the minister said at the time about uh, the risk to the community of publishing the maps. Uh, and I just get the impression that the police may well have, if they were asked to provide a brief to the minister, may well have provided advice the minister didn't want to see. Um, tell me, what, what's your response to that? I mean, I find it extraordinary. Yeah, it was extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary, um, and extraordinary from two perspectives. Um, perspective that he thought it was okay to do in the first place, and to put all of those people at risk, which we clearly know there was a crime um, that ended up happening um, because of that yeah. map, um, and putting so many people in a vulnerable position. Whilst he stated that the, you know, it was it was, um, you know, the information wasn't provided in a in a, you know, so you could uh, identify them directly. Uh, and some of the streets where there were um, very few people living, it was very easy to identify them. Um, including my, my cousin, who is a sporting shooter, and she was very unimpressed about it. Secondly, um, the media should never have published it. So we've got two problems here. So, you know, how did, how did, why did he manage to do it in the first place? What was, his, what was his reasoning behind that? If he truly wanted to keep the population safe, um, then that is certainly not something anybody would, would think was okay to do. Um, that definitely doesn't pass the pub test. And the second thing is, why did the media decide to publish it, realising the extent of the danger of that information as well? Um, yeah, it's a very, very interesting question with the media at the moment. They sort of are very selective on the information that they um, are choosing to to print, um, for sure. Because after we, the original, we put the, original, the story out originally, we updated it because there was some new information that came in. Uh, where the police, this is after a series of FOIs and yeah. internal review requests. Um, the, well, the last internal review actually came up with a, with, with a perler. It actually, the police were saying they weren't going to release the same maps to the applicant that Papali had already provided to the media. Um, he said, uh, sorry, because the response said, maps identifying the locations and concentrations of firearm owners provide bad, bad faith actors with information on tempting targets, increasing the risk of home invasion, theft, and ultimately firearm-related offences. Um, and the thing that caught my attention is that this is an escalation of the language by the police over and above the original FOI response, um, which could have easily just parroted what the Information Commissioner said, which was there's a risk public safety they've gone they've gone further they've said this is home invasion territory yeah and and you're right peter rundle raised the raised yep. that matter in parliament that's correct and uh and i think you it's exactly what i keep coming back to it this is this dictatorial approach i know better than everybody else you're all just peasants so you just do as you're told so it is it is it's it's ruling by fear um and you know it's not leadership um, if you're a leader, you would get out there and you would actually listen to the people that this is affected by, exactly like the shop live sheep export, exactly like the timber industry, exactly like Aboriginal cultural heritage. So this is a cultural problem within the party. Um, and if people think 
that going forward they are going to, you know, this is not going to affect them in what they're doing because it's starting to stretch across a lot of different um, personal rights and, and property rights and stuff like that. Um, you will be affected. You know, it's time for some of those younger green voters um, to actually realise that some of the information they've been given um, is not is not correct um, and to actually do the proper research on what's going on out there because, uh, yes, very often you listen to it and you think, how on earth did somebody come up with that? When you live it, you know, when you're the person that's living it, when you've got that practical experience and you listen to these people telling you uh, to do it their way because they said, and you think, how did we end up with a situation where, you know, a, a big percentage of young people um, are, are literally being conned um, by the way that, that some of this stuff is framed? That actually is the topic I actually had uh, next on, on the list, and that is the Greens. And because uh, mm. I think you've, you've really touched on an important point there that Labor's just as they have been doing in other states, have been really, I guess, trying to they forget about the right. They just want to zero in and either defend themselves against the Greens or support the Greens. I'm not sure what it is. Um, but they... Yeah, I think it, I think it's they've lost, you know, a fair bit of their voter base. Those younger people, um, you know, there's no jobs in those traditional areas, so they're not members of unions. You can see that the union membership's dropped significantly across Australia in the last 30, 40 years. Um, so they have to they have to go chase after that vote um, that is not necessarily you know aligned with their beliefs. Um, they've become much more um, you know move much further to the left than probably where their traditional um, voter base would like them to be in a lot of respects. Um, and that's what makes the nationals um, you know such a um, such a, a common sense party. You know because we sit in between the two. And we actually relate to the broader people that are that are not getting listened to, um, you know, by those those two both of those sides. Particularly in Western Australia, it's very you know it's very obvious in Western Australia. I mean, if you had a quality Labor Party, you can understand why it'd be hard for the coalition to to get traction. Um, but you've got the worst yeah. of both worlds. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know um, um, voters are even though in some respects they are misinformed. They are a lot more astute, you know. They they do engage more broadly in politics, um, and and we do have a little bit of a situation where we've now got uh, presidential elections, you know. So instead of looking at who your local member is and what they do for you and what they can achieve for you, it's like um, at the last election it was quite amazing. I was on pre-polling and everybody coming in saying, "How do I vote for Mark McGowan?" and trying to explain to them that actually you can't, like you've got to vote for your local member here. Oh, I don't even know who that is. Oh, just give me a form and I'll just, you know, I'll make it up when I get in there and I'm just like, oh, my goodness gracious. So that comes back on all of us um, to tell our story better too. Yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting observation. I, I've heard the same thing and I've experienced the same thing in polling booths, but to call a presidential election is actually, yeah, that's spot on. Yeah, yeah, very much so. This episode of Gun News Australia is brought to you by Politics Reloaded. Make sure you follow our podcast or simply join our email list at politicsreloaded.com. You mentioned messaging, and I think the importance of that. Uh, how, in terms of your observations of shooters and connecting with shooters, actually getting those 90,000 licensed shooters you have 
in WA to actually get them to, to vote and, and actually, um, I guess, connect more closely with the political process. Mm. Uh, what can we do? I mean, what sort of messages do you think we need to actually uh, work on? Well, it's, it's pretty easy, really, and, and I'll use the example. Um, so I have a background. I grew up in Albany um, in, the, in the 60s and 70s, and we have the um, closure of the whaling. And, uh, you know, that was sort of a um, got hit around the back of the head by the Green Movement. Um, very good messaging, very well funded, uh, very well organised, you know, PR companies, stunts, you know, that sort of stuff. And it was very hard to mitigate that story afterwards. Then I moved to Manjimart, which is about two and a half hours from, from Albany, um, traditionally timber-based industry, who was facing the first um, part of their closure of the timber industry, and exactly the same thing and exactly the same methodology. So I'm probably in a pretty unique situation that I saw what happened in Albany and then went to Manjimart and said, oh, my goodness, these are exactly the same people. These people are on a crusade. So, you know, a lot of those um, organisations, if we look at Greenpeace and, and some of those others, they rely on on peddling a story that is believable, doesn't necessarily have to be true, but that people will pay money for. So if we look at our world now in terms of, you know, our, our need for instant gratification and online, um, you know, buying, and I'm guilty of anybody else of that, um, then you can see the methodology that they use. Being busy people, you know, farmers and, and um, primary primary um, producers and workers in those fields, um, you're always head down bum up, you're busy, busy, busy until somebody, something smacks you in the head and then you go, oh, I need to fix that. So, um, you know, a lot of operational people um, with perhaps not a strategic mind. So you've got these strategic people over here who are looking always one, two, three, four steps in front on how they're going to achieve what they need to achieve. Um, we're the type of people that go, you know, oh, there's a problem, let's fix it. So you need to bring, you need to bring st strategy and that strategic thinking into it um, and employ people outside of our skill set. So we're very good at, at certain things um, and being fixers, it's like whatever the problem comes along, oh, okay, I'll fix it. But that's not always the best um, way to approach something like this. You need those people that look at it objectively. Um, so people from outside of the industry, outside of the sport. Um, and if you look at, you were talking about the, the two um, Olympians a little while ago. And if you look at the strategic way that they, um, you know, sort of go about what they do, how to promote the industry, um, you know, what it brings to that, that story that it brings to it, we need to extend that out further into all of those other areas. So the average person, when Papalia puts his maps out and, and, you know, we sort of read the front page of the paper, people go, actually, that's not right. And it doesn't make sense. But unfortunately, people don't these days. They'll pick it up and they'll just go, oh, yeah, 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 we're right. It must be so because it's in the newspaper. Um, so, so yes, it, it, it needs that strategic approach to it. Interesting idea because um, I also believe that uh, the skill sets we've got in shooting are limited um, and extends also into the world of politics. I mean, we've seen people who've been elected to parliament or, you know, to represent shooters, but, you know, they're, they're spray painters or they're, yeah. you know, car sizes or whatever, and it's a different it's a different game. I mean, you've, in fact, as you know, you'll get strung around until the next election to see if you'll survive. Otherwise, they'll, uh, um, you know, if you get elected, it doesn't mean, it just doesn't mean you're going to achieve anything unless you've had the right upbringing. And, and I think what you're telling yeah. me is it's exactly yeah. the same argument with, with dealing with, with media and getting a message out there. 
yeah and and look you know i'm gonna i'm gonna um um put it out there that women involved in this are always really good because they're you know they see things differently um and and approach things differently and i think we we're a softer world now i think we'd all agree we're a softer world now and uh you know bringing that diversity into it um is really important as well so uh, they often see things that um you know the blokes will plow on through and uh, my dad had a saying which was absolutely brilliant you know it was over under round it or through it and you know, I try and I try and apply the first um, the first three before I apply the fourth one. Hmm. Um, he probably would apply the fourth one and then work backwards. <laughs> so you know, maybe it's just a, a different way that our brains are wired. Um, yeah, and and I think probably you know, having as much experience that I've got across the, all the different fields that I've been involved in over the years um, has given me a really good understanding of um, of you know where we need to be addressing some of um, some of these issues. And getting back to listening to what the people have got to say, you know, that bottom-up approach, not the top-down approach, you know, broadly con- consulting with those people that are affected by it and understanding what they need us to do, not the other way around. Me saying, it's okay, I've got this, I'm going to fix it for you. And you find that a lot, um, you know, a lot of people are, are disempowered these days. Um and, you know, that they come to you with a, you, you help me to, you know, you fix this for me, not that you help me to find the solution so that we yeah. can both fix it together. Um, yeah. So you've given me some good perspectives there. So we really appreciate that. Um, I'm not saying I've got any answers. In fact, I've, to me, the task of what we need to do, what we need to build, the thing that we need to build out there that hasn't been built yet um, is going to be bigger and more complex. Uh, but at least we know it's, I don't, it's there. I don't, I don't think it needs to be complex and I think that's where we we get derailed as well you know we look at a problem and we go oh my god you know but you know if you think about what you want as the solution and then you work back from that so you know basically the solution is we want people to to appreciate respect and value um, law-abiding firearms holders Um, so you know how do we do that we tell personal stories Um, you know we get the face of those people out there um, you know, we podcast now. I mean, you can do those, you know, fairly fairly cheaply. Um, a lot of people watch and listen to them now. Mm. Um, so it's that non-traditional media um, that is very effective these days. YouTube channels, you know, all that sort of stuff um, where you can get following and people doing that, you know, it's absolutely fabulous and then get those people sharing it. And then we get that information um, that literally is presented to people in a way that they can find it easily. Um, and yeah, and the, and the clear clear messaging saying, you know, we're the good guys. You know, we're the ones that should be telling you what we want. Um, mm. Yeah, not having to fight this stuff constantly over and over again. Yeah, it's a bit of a tired, vicious cycle that we've we're in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But positivity, positivity in all of those stories is always what's attract people. What attracts people to. Well, we've got a lot of positive things to say, but also I think every problem is fixable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and collectively, I have another saying. Um, individually, um, you know, we 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 struggle. Collectively, we're brilliant, um, and we need to bring that collectiveness back into it. So, you know, um, stimulating those leaders in our in our midst, and uh, you know, helping them to to you know develop and and yeah and um, be out there, be brave enough to you know. I have a saying too. You know, there's no point being beige. You've got to be bold. Um, because okay. They, Beige doesn't help your situation either. So, um, yeah. Okay. Well, beige is not your colour, Rina. So I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, exciting, bold, 
uh, non-bashing you're going to have for us at the next uh, state election. Absolutely, without a doubt. It will be gold. Um, yeah, we're working, working on all that stuff at the moment and uh, we're releasing our policies um, pretty, pretty shortly in the lead up to the election. And I hope that people uh, really think about the last two terms that the Labor government have been here and, and the restrictions that they have introduced. Um, you know, we live in a beautiful part of the world that we should be just enjoying, not worrying about this stuff all the time. It's just yeah. Awesome. Where we'll be putting a link to the current page you've, you've got uh, on your website um, yeah. up in the description of this, yeah, uh, this, uh, this podcast. But, um, yeah, when you get the policies, um, I'm yeah. all ears. So, uh, yeah, that'll be cool to it. Yeah, well, you know, and that won't be done. That won't be done from us telling you. That'll be you guys coming to us. Engage in that, that website. Give us your feedback. Tell us what you need from us so that we can develop it for you. That's that's how this, this should work. I'll take you up on that. Excellent. Looking forward to it. All right, Louise, look, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I think it's been a great discussion and um, look forward to seeing if we can yeah, maybe do it again before the next election. Be brilliant. Thank you. Lovely to talk to you. Thank you. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and that you're on our email list. And don't forget to check the episode notes because that's where you'll find out how you can support us. Plus, let us know if you want something promoted on the podcast. Maybe you've got a shoot coming up that you want to promote. Just let us know. We'll see you at our next episode of Gun News Australia, brought to you by Politics Reload.